Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Newton Group Transfer. They are here to help you if you're stuck in a timeshare. Uh, these stories from people who have these timeshares and can't get out of them, they're shocking. These timeshare companies, not all of them, but so many, they get their hooks into you and you can't give them up. You can't give them up or they'll, they'll do things like they charge you thousands of dollars. One girl, she got past her timeshare when her mother passed away. She gets past the timeshare, doesn't want the timeshare, doesn't use the timeshare. They tell her she can get out of it for $4,000. She has to come up with a $4,000 check. This is not right. It's unjust. And Newton Group Transfers is here to help you. If you are in a timeshare and want out or know someone who is, Call 888-845-3773. That's 888-84-JESSE. Or go to timesharejesse.com. Newton Group Transfer. They will help you out. This is The Jesse Kelly Show. 
How bad do things have to get in your city for your city to forever, forever from that day on be known as the city of screams? We will talk about that today. We will talk about why so, so, so often the what is more important than the who. We're going to talk about why and how we got a sense of entitlement in our society. And we may have to take a whole hour for this part. We're going to talk about why the hatred for Donald Trump was so strong. It's not what you think. It's not one thing. It's not the... It's not the manners, it's not the wealth, it's not even that he's a Republican, it's, the, it's none of these things. It's something else. And I do think it's important we know what that something else is because we're going to see it again and we have to be ready for the backlash. But let's tell a story today about the Mongols first. Maybe... One of the worst stories of family betrayal (laughs) I've ever heard in my life. We'll get to that. But here's where we are in the 1200s. We're in the 13th century. This is the age of knights. That's what this is the age of. In Europe, you really have to think about the world separated into these parts. In Europe, you have the chivalry and the church, and this is the age of knights. And the knights were thought to be, many people considered a knight fully armored on horseback to essentially be invincible. Nothing could penetrate the armor, sharp swords, spears, the best of the best. They all considered them to be the best warriors in the world. In the Middle East, things were run by the Charismian Empire. Also, in their part of the world, considered to be the biggest and the best in the world. It's an interesting time where things are so... It's not as if people don't talk. It's not as if there's no trade. But people in their region consider their particular area to be the best, the most advanced militarily. And then there's China. Funny thing about China, as much as we hate those dirty commies today, China is Always powerful throughout history. They have some times where they dip down. We're about to get to one of those times. But China's always powerful, and this time's no different. Easily the most advanced cities in the world. They think their military is the best in the world. In fact, they're sure of it. All these people were sure of it. But there was another place at this time. If you carve a big line from east to west, right through the center of Asia... Russia, northern China, all that. A big, fat, white line through the middle of it. It is known as the Asian Steppe. S-T-E-P-P-E. I was in the fifth grade spelling bee. Not to brag or anything. And the Asian Steppe, I'm not going to do too much time on the background today because our story's cool and I want to try to get through. We have so much politics to get to today. But the Asian Steppe... The people who live there are very hard and very nomadic. This is a harsh, brutal place to this day. Like like Mongolia still exists to this day. 
It is one of the lowest people per square mile nations in the entire world. They have something like 3 million people who live there, and I think it's top 20 in the biggest countries in the world. It's huge. You don't even you don't even think about Mongolia unless you're sitting down for some Mongolian beef somewhere. It's humongous. Only 3 million people, and you know, you know how when you get the candy jar, the giant variety of candy in the office? I've talked about this before, how it's only the three musketeers that are left at the end because in reality, everyone says they like it, but nobody likes it. That's why it's the last one in the end. The proof is always in the pudding. Don't tell me what you believe. Show me what you believe kind of thing. People end up going to the places they want to live where other people want to live, and they avoid the places that kind of suck. And I'm going to say something here, insulting my own state, and I don't mean to. I grew up in Ohio, moved to Montana when I was 10, and Montana is the best-kept secret in the United States of America, in my opinion. The most beautiful state. And I realize there are several other beautiful places. I'm not dogging on it. And yet there are consistently a million or less people in Montana. Why? Because people go there and they can't handle eight months of freaking winter. And they pack up and leave. People don't want to live there. Why does everybody live in Southern California? Because the weather's always 75 and all the girls are pretty. People show you what environments are nice by where they choose to live. Mongolia is a brutal environment. You have deserts, but not really of sand. There's a Gobi Desert. Mountains, 20 below zeros, not uncommon. There's almost no wild fruits. I mean, they, they would pick berries and things, but the Mongolians almost exclusively lived on dairy and meat. They were bouncing around. And... I wish I could explain to you properly why. The truth is we don't really know why. But the Mongolians were simply better at war than anyone else in the history of war. In the history of war. And some of this, it's, it's almost undoubtedly a mixture of these things. One, hard people make better warriors. They just do. When you're used to sleeping... In the cold, in the heat, hunger, thirst, the wild, you're inherently going to be a better warrior because the things that would bother the other guy don't bother you. You can focus more on the mission. Yeah, I'm hungry. I've been hungry before. Oh, look, some grass. That'll be nice to sleep on. That's one. Two. Mongolians have mastered horseback unlike any other peoples in the history of mankind, maybe the Comanches, the the American Comanche Indians could possibly come close to matching them. But when I say mastered it, I mean at three years old, three, while you're putting a helmet on little Bryson to give him a bath, the Mongolians are putting their children on horseback at three. There's the horse. Start learning to ride now. They had relationships with their horses like you and I have with our dogs. A whistle, the horse comes to you. They owned several of them. 
Horses were treasured. They could live off them. They would make incisions in the horse's neck at battle if they were starving and drink the horse's blood, but making sure they didn't kill the horse. <laughs> I'm not even getting it up. They, their booze, their alcohol was made from horse's milk. These people lived on horseback. And they say, I still have a very difficult time believing this is true, but they swear by it. Apparently there are some trick riders who can do it to this day. They say the Mongolians, we'll get to the bow in a minute, they were all just absurdly good archers. They can, at a full gallop, slide down to the side of their horse and shoot an arrow from underneath the horse's neck and hit what they're aiming at. I have ridden horseback several times because I used to go hunting in Montana. I don't see how that's humanly possible. But they did it, apparently. And their bows. The European longbow was, uh, uh, of course, in Europe, everybody thought that was that was as good as technology gets, baby. That's the machine gun. Oh, no. No. There are some people who just do things a little better. We're going to talk about them and the real reason they hate Trump. Hang on. Kelly on air and online at jessekellyshow.com. Natural medicines, holistic healing approaches, these things are known to alleviate things like joint pain. You have any joint pain? I know you do. My my right knee has been angry at me for a month now. Look, it just happens. As we get older, these things happen. You you suffer from things like sleeplessness, anxiety. Me, I choose CBD. I got tired of reaching for a, a, a even over-the-counter pill bottle, a little pain relief here. I got tired of that. But what CBD do you choose? The stores are everywhere. Everybody has a new website, a new, a new place in a strip mall. Doctors trusted CBD. What they did was research the entire industry for us, and they only sell the best. Go to DoctorsTrustedCBD.com. That's DoctorsTrustedCBD.com. Use the promo code JESSE. That gets you free shipping and 10% off. did we get to a place where society today is so entitled? How did we get there? We got there for a specific reason, and it's not because, well, kids today, that's, that's, that's garbage. That's garbage. That's what everybody says. Moses was complaining about the next generation. <laughs> this, this next generation of brats ain't going to be good for nothing. No. People are a product of their culture. We'll get to that. But our Mongols, the Mongolian bow, I'm not going to nerd out on it. It was so grossly superior to anything else on the earth. The string was made of animal tendons. Kind of cool, a little gross. 
The bow itself was made of wood and horn, and it was it was a mixture that had to cure it and then mix it, then cure it and then tie it, and it was a process to make a bow. It didn't work like it does in the movies. I always wished it did, where you just got to spend a little time shaving off some wood from a tree, and soon Robin Hood's shooting arrows through other arrows. That's not how it works. Definitely not with the Mongolian bow. And these guys, they're hunters, and that's also helping them become the greatest, well, greatest army in the history of the world. They're hunting, they're hunting with bows, they're hunting on horseback, and they're hunting on an extremely barren territory where you can't afford to miss that deer you're going for. So what they're doing constantly is learning how to coordinate and communicate with each other. Those Navy SEALs you love to watch movies about today and Green Berets and Delta Force guys and all the guys you love to admire, and you should. Yes, they can shoot straight. Yes, they can do 10 million push-ups. Do you know what makes units more special than other units? The least sexy thing in the world. Communication. Communication doesn't sell blockbuster movies. No kid eight years old looks at a poster of Marines and says, wow, I bet they're the best communicators out there. Communication wins. The Mongols were so absurdly good at coordinating on the battlefield. They actually had arrows that made whistling sounds that they used as as radios to everyone else so they knew what to do, when to do it. Absurdly good. Around comes a man named Genghis Khan. And look, I could spend hours and hours and hours on this, but I want to get to the story today. Genghis Khan rises up through the ranks of the Mongolian Empire, which is not an empire really at the time. It's just a, a bunch of different tribes. He gets kidnapped. His wife gets kidnapped. He's got a rough, rough childhood. Dad poisoned to death. Everybody trying to kill him. He, he grew up rough. It was, it was, it was rough to put it mildly. Eventually he conquers enough and unites enough that he finds himself the head of an empire. And these guys are really, really, really tough. And Genghis Khan hates China with the fire of a thousand suns. He hates China. China is aware they have a problem on their hands, but they're too arrogant to do anything about it. Soon, Genghis Khan is in China, burning cities to the ground and killing millions of Chinese people. And I do mean millions of them. And they were so advanced, the Mongolians. They were using propaganda a long time before others were. If there were divisions in a city... The Mongolians, in an attempt, tell me if this sounds familiar to anything you see today. If there were divisions in a powerful city, the Mongolians would send spies in ahead of time, find an oppressed minority, exploit that oppressed minority's grievances to help divide the city against itself so it would be easier to topple once they got there. None of that sounds familiar, right? You don't see any of that here, right? No. Anyway, let's move on. Once they're 
I don't want to say done with China because Genghis Khan is never done with China. He's uh, he'll, he'll be he'll have troops in China kicking the crap out of the Chinese until the day he dies. But his huge Chinese campaign is pretty much over at the time. He is not some great world conqueror now. In fact, even if he stopped right now, or if he had stopped right now, he's probably a two-sentence thing if you're lucky in the history books. Okay, he's a Mongolian warlord, clearly quite capable. Went down, beat up China a little bit, and went home. But Genghis Khan is about to become the most feared man in the history of the world. You see, the Mongolian Empire is right next door to the Muslim Charismian Empire. And Genghis Khan, I'm going to have some arguments with the history books here in a moment, which I'll elaborate on. But Genghis Khan wants to trade with the Charismian Empire. He does not look at the Charismian Empire and say to himself, I think I'll go kill all of them. And so, as a gesture of good faith, he's quite wealthy now. He did just pillage the Bank of China. He sends a caravan of 500 to a city called Otra. It's a gesture of goodwill. He sends this caravan. It's full of goods and merchants in this, the city of Otra in the Charismian Empire. The governor kills all 500 merchants and traders. Genghis is getting ready to blow his top. Not quite the man you want to do that to. But again, he's trying to trade. So this time he sends three emissaries to the, to, to the city of Otra. Two of these emissaries are Mongols. One of them is a Muslim. The Mongols were outstanding, outstanding at one being religiously tolerant, which is hilarious. Of all, I mean, everybody was welcome. They didn't care. Look, pay your taxes to the constant your troops up. You do, you do your thing. They had famously mosques right next to churches. It's wild, but they were also really, really, really good at not just brute force. Remember the propaganda, the spy stuff, and and trying to appeal to you. So you don't just send two Mongols to a Muslim place. You send a Muslim with them too. The governor of the city of Otra grabs all three emissaries. He kills the Muslim one, and he shaves off the beard of the two Mongolian ones, which is the insult, insult, insult. Genghis Khan loses his freaking mind and decides, I'm going to completely wipe out the Charismian Empire. Just a quick skip ahead for you here. When I say wipe out the Charismian Empire, at one point in time, Genghis Khan diverted a river so it would flow over the birthplace of the guy who was the head of the Charismian Empire to wipe it from the face of the planet. I'm not making that up. He killed everybody and then drowned it underwater. It doesn't exist to this day. <laughs> that's a new level of salt, Chris. That's that's a new level of salt. I'm actually not even talking about the city of Otra, though, today. Genghis Khan rides into the city of Otra. He storms through the Charismians' army like a, like a blowtorch through butter, rides into Otra, slaughters everybody, grabs the governor who killed his emissaries, melts down molten silver and pours it into his eyes, ears, and mouth. This is not the type of man you want to trifle with at all. At all. 
Are you understanding how seriously the Mongols take things? And it's easy to admire them today because we are so far removed from them. But I do think in in light of the China news today that we're going to get to, I think it's important we understand something about the Eastern mentality with war. I'll explain something about that and this story some more in just a sec. Hang on. Never completely ready to adopt a teen. For late nights writing English papers. For your teen's music taste. For dinners, where they talk more on their phone than with you. For the first time, they call you mom. You're never completely ready to adopt a teen, and you can't imagine the reward. To learn more about adopting a teen, visit adoptuskids.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt US Kids, and the Ad Council. Ladies and gentlemen, we have arrived in Philadelphia. Local time is 3.05 p.m. and the temperature is 67 degrees. At this time, you are now free to use your cellular devices. You know that feeling when you get to turn your phone on after the plane lands? You can have that feeling every time you drive. Make sure your cell phone is stowed away whenever you are behind the wheel. Visit StopTextStopRex.org, a message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council. warning to you Trumpers. Be careful. Walk lightly. We ain't playing with you. Enough of the shenanigans. Enough is enough. And for those of you who are soldiers, you know how to do it. Do it right. Be in order make them pay. That is not some nutty Antifa street activist speaking to a camera behind a mask somewhere. That is Cynthia A. Johnson, Democratic State Representative in Michigan's 5th House District. That is an elected Democrat official. We will have a lot to say about that this show. Let's get this Genghis Khan stuff wrapped up here because there's just there's just too much of this stuff dropping by the second we're going to have to unpack. Chris, you thought that was bad? Raphael Warnock, that guy running for Senate in Georgia. Some audio just dropped of his this morning. Yeesh. Uh-oh. <laughs> it's going to be a wild show today. All right, we got to wrap up the Mongol stuff. Look, I love my Mongols. You know I love my Mongols. I'm going to do a thousand other shows on the Mongols. Well, let's be let's be fair. I'm going to do more shows on the Mongols until the day I'm fired for saying something too offensive. You don't have to worry. If you didn't get enough of a Mongol fix, I'm going to do more. Anyway. Genghis Khan still busy invading the Charisman Empire after he 
after he gets done pouring molten silver in somebody's eyeballs. You have to listen to the show from the beginning if you want to hear about that. And he gets to a place. It's part of the Charismian Empire. It's in Afghanistan. The city is known as Bamiyan or Bamiyan, depending on how you, you see it spelled. I saw it spelled 10 different ways. Genghis Khan sends his favorite grandson ahead to lay waste to the place. He was constantly dividing his forces because so many of his sons and generals were so absurdly capable, he'd send them on. It's part of the reason the Mongol, the Mongol Empire was so hard to take on. They had so much excellent leadership, you could divide your forces. You can invade from five different places if you want. People thought they were everywhere. He sends his grandson ahead. And and Genghis is funny like this. This kind of thing has happened before. His grandson gets close to, you know, one of the places close to Bamiyan. And his grandson, while attacking the place, takes an arrow from the city walls At the age of 15, he's leading an army, but takes an arrow from the city walls and dies. Okay, well, obviously you don't want your grandson to die. You certainly don't want him to die with an arrow sticking out of his chest. But you were attacking the place. It is war. You have to assume that's part of it. No. Genghis Khan takes everyone. Every time something like this happens, he takes it as a personal affront. He's completely offended. (laughs) You can't do that. He's personally offended by all of it. And now he goes himself, and he's going to lay waste to this place. First, he attacks the place. I'm going to massacre. These Muslim names get me every single time. Sheir Azahak. That was the actual place the arrow came from. First, he massacres that place. Then he actually gets to Bamiyan. Now there's a man in charge of the city, and his name is Jalaladin. Jalaladin actually holds out very, very well for a while against the Mongols. The Mongols are constantly learning. Let's pause and talk about this for a brief moment. They're constantly learning, constantly advancing when it comes to their warfare. When they first invaded China, they were a bunch of dudes on horseback. You didn't ever want to meet out in the open field or they'll just ride you down like grass. But if you get behind the walls, these people don't know anything about catapults, trebuchets, these gigantic crossbow-looking things. They, They didn't know anything about this stuff. But one of the things that made them so unstoppable is when the Mongols would take over a place, even a place that, where they wanted to slaughter everybody, and they often did, I can't emphasize that enough, man, women, child, one place they even killed all the pets. They killed everything. Oftentimes they would send a rear guard back after killing everybody. They'd send a rear guard back two days later to catch anyone who was in hiding so they could make sure they killed everyone. These people killed everyone except the beautiful young women were spared. Not for a uh, great life, though. Obviously, I don't have to elaborate on that. The beautiful young women were spared and divvied up. Pretty much the most horrific thing in the world. And the talented people. I mean the people with special talents the Mongols can use. Oh, oh, you're, you're a metal worker? 
you're hired. Oh, you're good at this. You're good at that. Oh, what's that? You're a, you're an engineer, a siege engineer. Oh no, no, don't worry. You're going to be fine. In fact, your family's going to be fine too. You're not even a slave. You're hired. Here's a nice home for you. Here's a harem. Want to come to work? Not exactly an offer you can refuse in that situation. <laughs> but they were they were constantly advancing technologically everywhere they went. So here we are. Their battlefield tactics and communication are ju- they're just superior to everyone else's. They're harder than everyone else. They're faster than anyone else because they're all mounted in several mounts. They didn't ride on a horse into battle. You rode on a horse into battle. Horses are living creatures. I know you don't see this in the movies, but they can only run so far. The Mongols would go into battle with 5, 10, 20 horses per man. Your horse gets tired? Fine. Hop off. Hop on a new one. Mongolian army is always moving rapidly. They're just speed kill. On top of that, they're constantly getting smarter, always moving forward, always advancing, always adjusting. They get some really good siege engineers out of China who had the best in the world. Even still, they're trying to take Bamyan, and they can't seem to take it. Jalaluddin is holding out well, but... It can be difficult having daughters. I I realize that I don't have daughters per se. Well, not per se. I don't have daughters. Unless there's one out there I don't know. Quit, Chris. I'm joking. There's no one out there I don't know about. I don't have daughters. I have sons. But all the buddies I have who have daughters, they universally have this in common. They adore these girls with a different kind of love. They spoil them more than they think they should, but dads don't seem to be able to help themselves when it comes to a girl, which that's the reason I'm, I thank God every day I didn't have a girl. I'm hard on my boys. I know a girl would own me. I know she would. I'm glad I don't have to deal with that. And there's one other aspect of raising a girl. They all say, but I can't say this firsthand. I wasn't there. The emotion can be a lot to deal with when they're young. Let's be frank, ladies. Let's be frank. It can be a lot to deal with when they're older. When they're young, coming into their own, teenage years, figuring out who they are, hormones, it, it can be difficult. And boy, it's about to get difficult here. That... And why the what is more important than the who. Hang on. Missed out? Catch up. JesseKellyShow.com Wake up and text. Text and eat. Mm -mm. Text and catch the bus. Text and miss your stop. Wait, 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 wait. Text and be late to work. Sorry, I'm late. Text and work. 
text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. <clears throat> Who, me? Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. <sighs> Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Ugh. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. <laughs> this this Raphael Warnock audio, I'm tempted to play it right now, but you know, I want to fit it. I have to wrap this up first. I have to wrap up the Mongolian story first. This dude, there is this streak. This Raphael Warnock dude, what he is exposing is something the media has covered up forever. They desperately tried to cover this up during Obama's rise to power. You don't have to constantly cover up the truth. The truth is this. There is some, there are some extremely radical black churches in the United States of America that preach horrible things from the pulpit. And it's not as if they're the only churches in America that treat horrible things, but they get up there and openly preach things about how evil and terrible American is. It's this disgusting black liberation theology stuff. And this, this should be a nationwide story. This anti-Americanism being preached from the pulpit in so many churches across this country. But because you're never allowed to talk about that, Nobody talks about it. I mean, this this guy, this audio I'm going to play for you here in a few, uh, 10 minutes maybe, maybe maybe sooner, maybe sooner. This audio I'm going to play for you, he's standing at the pulpit. He's not, it's not some leaked audio of him hiding in his house, talking to a buddy, telling an inappropriate joke. It's, it's bad. It is bad. And he's saying it to the masses. He's not only saying it, he's proud of it. He's saying it, he's proud of it. You got a bunch of people sitting there going, oh, yeah, yeah, that's true. All right, quickly. Jalaluddin governs this city. The city is under siege from Genghis Khan and the Mongols. They can't seem to break through. But Jalaluddin had something else that had previously happened. He decided he wanted to get married. Again. He's getting married and his daughter, his teenage daughter, does not approve of the new wife. When I say does not approve, I mean despises her. Absolutely despises her and despises her father for marrying her. And so in one of the all-time saltiest moves in the history of mankind, 
the daughter, the daughter, she takes an arrow and fires it into the Mongolian lines with a note on it that has a secret entrance into the place that will allow the Mongols to invade. She does have demands, though. She wants Genghis Khan to marry her. He is now a great conqueror and a great king. And Genghis had, uh, they say, 500 wives. Uh, he is, he is well, he, he really, really spread, spread himself around the world quite a bit. But she wants to become one of his wives. That's one. Two, she wants him to promise not to burn the place to the ground like he has so many other places. Genghis, oh, yeah, yeah, of course. Oh, you got yourself a deal. He storms in, uses the entrance, storms in, and there's a reason this place is known as the City of Screams. The Mongols, it wasn't just that they killed everyone. It's that they were so good at it and efficient at it. You know, you don't. You don't like the barbarian who wants to kill everyone but has an IQ of five. You don't like him. You fear him. But you can probably figure out a way where most of us can get out of that, right? He's going to get distracted by the shiny stuff. Get on your horse and go. The Mongols didn't do things like that. When I talk about Mongolian discipline, it wasn't just arrows with noise. If you dropped a bowstring, Bowstrings were so valuable, you and your entire unit would be put to death. If during battle, if you retreated and your unit didn't come with you, you would all be put to death. Their discipline was put to death. One strike, you're gone. These are the rules. And it was no different than how they looked at sacking a city. Sacking a city, they would they were great at spreading the loot around, the gold, the valuables, the women. They're gonna spread it around. They they weren't they weren't one of these places where it's all for the king. Genghis Khan was famous for inspiring loyalty by handing that stuff to his men first. However, you have a job to do first, and it will be done right. Here, whatever your name is, come over here. Bring me back 10 left ears. Go. These people are assigned to you. And you would be given an axe and 10 people, and you are responsible for killing 10 people. Once you're done with that, then you come back. Maybe we'll assign you another 10. And they begin the slaughter of these people. And finally, once everyone's dead, they come to the daughter the daughter that shot the arrow. Hang on. One in three adults has pre-diabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, prediabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. 
Wait, did they just say one in three adults has pre-diabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. Genghis gets to the daughter. She says, welcome in. Looks like we're getting married now. Genghis says, well, here's the thing about that. Yeah, I just massacred your entire population. And I'll actually let the city stand because I'm kind of a man of my word. But you're the type of person who betrayed her own father. Why would I ever trust you? Why would I ever bring you in? Sorry, you gotta go. Gone. You see, the people who set the rules, it really doesn't have anything to do with negotiation. It doesn't. Setting the rules, what's right and wrong, what's good and bad, what's the law, what's lawful, what's unlawful, it's really determined by one thing. I'll tell you what that one thing is, and we'll play you this Warnock audio in just a sec. Hang on. Jesse Kelly returns next. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. As it is racist. Raphael Warnock. That was him at the pulpit. That was him giving a sermon in a church. That was the crowd going. You can hear it in the background. Raphael Warnock is not alone. Raphael Warnock. Listen to the crowd. Listen, I would listen, play this again, Chris. Listen to the crowd. This country is every bit as sexist as it is racist. Already, every bit as sexist. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. As it is racist. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Preach it. 
I'm not mad about a radical idiot pastor who hates America. There are several scumbag pastors. Some hate America. Some love America. I'm not mad about that. I had to leave my own church about six months ago. As soon as I got lectured about white privilege, gone. Haven't darkened the door again. Never will. Peace. Goodbye. Not worried about that. I'm worried about the people who sit there and cheer. I'm worried that Raphael Warnock is not even close to being a unique case. This disgusting black liberation theology is preached all over the country. The media will not cover it because you're never allowed to to, to cover something like that. The media won't cover it. And here's what else I'm worried about. And this is legitimate. The system agrees with Raphael Warnock. This is this whole concept that America is a racist, sexist, evil country. It's not something limited to one church, to a streak of black liberation theology churches. This is now mainstream thought because of our anti-American government education system. The system thinks like this. The director of the Federal Bureau of Investigation goes before Congress with everything going on in the world. Russian spies everywhere. Iran, largest state sponsor of terror. Antifa, Black Lives Matter, murdering people in the streets. He goes in front of Congress and says the largest threat? White supremacy? What white supremacists? A white supremacist rally is five fat KKK dudes on the courthouse steps surrounded by 20 cops because the counter protest is 10 times as big with everybody making fun of those idiot losers. Oh, but it's way worse than that. You see, the system is a lot of things, isn't it? We've talked about the system a thousand times. The American university system believes America is a racist, sexist, evil place. The corporate America believes America is a racist, evil, sexist place. Remember the Black Lives Matter rallies? Michael Malice talked about it on the show, was it Monday, that they had corporate sponsorship almost immediately, and they did. Hollywood, the people who entertain you, America is an evil, racist, sexist place. The entire Democratic Party, America's an evil, racist, sexist place. Half the Republican Party, remember, first one to trot out federal police reform in the wake of George Floyd dying was not a Democrat. It was Republican, Tim Scott. What Raphael Warnock just said, what worries me is not that it's radical. What worries me is how you and I think has now become radical. I'm not worried about one wingnut pastor. I'm worried about a wingnut pastor who's saying what half the country believes. So it's not about negotiation. Remember, we're talking about that. It's, a, it's about one thing. You know what it's really about? And we don't like to talk about this because it makes us feel icky. It's about power. It's about who sets the rules, who makes the laws, who decides what right, what is right and what is wrong. That nut job, Raphael Warnock, that guy, that guy might be a United States senator with a majority in, oh, let me check my watch here, less 
than a month. Less than a month. Might be the majority. I am not one of these guys. You know I'm not one of these guys who talks about Republicans are the greatest. Republicans are the best. I rip on Republicans as much or more than I rip on Democrats. And I'm not even sitting here telling you Kelly Loeffler and Dave Perdue. These are the stalwarts that will lead the charge for the cons- I'm not saying that at all. Frankly, I don't know enough about them. I do know this. The entire system is more in place and ready to cinch down their power in a way that will let them keep it than they ever have been before in the history of the United States of America and giving them control of the Senate so they have all the branches, well, not all the branches that are on the Supreme Court, so that they have all the legislative branch and the executive branch is not a good idea. You can mock you can mock Genghis Khan, you can look down on Genghis Khan all you want. Genghis Khan won and Genghis Khan set the rules. You see, it doesn't matter how bad you think he is, how evil, how murderous, how all these things you think he is, all that stuff can be true. But the winner sets the rules. The rules, the laws, right, wrong, these things are decided by the winner. If you want to live in a country that does not subscribe to this America sucks mentality, you had better start defeating the radical left everywhere they go. And I can't emphasize this enough. You had better defeat them by any means necessary. If you have to attack more forcefully than you normally have, maybe run an attack ad you wouldn't have loved before to win, do it. Do it. If you have to call people out publicly in ways you didn't like doing before, I get it. Do it. You stop these people from taking over everything or they're going to decide what is right and what is wrong. Not you. We have to drop this dangerous notion we have on the right. I've seen it a thousand times. I'm almost positive I've said it myself before in the past. This notion of, quote, the silent majority. If I hear that one more time, I'm going to vomit in a trash can. The silent majority is a bunch of crap. Silence don't buy you nothing. Nothing. The left has marched through every institution in this society. Even the U.S. military now is packed full of these commie social Marxists. Packed full of them. While while we've been silently majoritying it, they've been taking over everything that matters. Your silent majority doesn't buy you squat if they're setting all the rules. That silent majority going to be a big comfort when Joe Biden passes his $200 gun tax, which he's going to pass? That silent majority. That can make you feel good when Joe Biden renegotiates the Chinese trade deal in a way that hurts the American worker and helps China. How's that comforting blanky feel? 
All right. We're going to talk about the who being more important or less important than we think it is. Hang on. On the Jordan Harbinger Show, you'll hear amazing stories from people that have lived them, from spies to CEOs, even an undercover agent who infiltrated the Gambino crime family. You're about to hear a preview of the Jordan Harbinger Show with Jack Garcia, who did just that. My career was 24 out of 26 years, was solely dedicated working undercover. I walk in, I'm in the bar. Now there's a barmaid there, good looking young lady. She's serving me drink. Hey, what would you like? I usually, my drink was, give me a kettle, one martini, three olives, glass of water on the side. I finish the drink. The guys come in. I'm going to go, go in my pocket, take out the big wad of money. Bam, I give her $100. If you're with the mob, I say, hey, Jordan, you're on record with us. That means we protect you. Nobody could shake you down. We could shake you down, but you're on record with us. For more on how Jack became so trusted in the highest levels of the Gambino organization, check out episode 392 of The Jordan Harbinger Show. With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in education into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball. From growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball. From Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.